Hello and welcome back to another great episode of Dragons and Demons podcast. So we are getting into our first interview. Now, before we get into that, there's a lot of fun and exciting things that are coming down the road that I can't wait for, but a lot of things that need to happen before we can get there. So more to come on that front. So as we've talked about in the past, this journey of attacking a dragon is kind of defined by everybody needs their purpose. Everybody needs a reason to get out of bed. Everybody needs something. And if it's something as little as I just want to get up and hug my kids, I'm all about it. If it's something like me getting on this microphone and chasing this motivational dragon that I want, then good. If it's you getting on your fitness journey, if it's you setting your career right, whatever it takes, everybody needs a purpose. And we've talked about it before, kind of how to set yourself up for success. So that is setting your foundation. That is mentally preparing yourself, the foundation of physical fitness, which includes a lot of different components, the foundational part of relationships and having strong relationships that can springboard you into that positive mindset, having the mindset to attack this dragon and prepare yourself in the right way. So we've gone back and forth over a lot of different things, and we get into that a little bit more with this interview. Before we get there, I want to give a special shout out to Mountain Fire LLC based here out of Thurmont, Maryland. Great people gave me a little shout out on Facebook promoting the podcast. They do a lot of instructional and safety training around firearms, their use and their purpose. And they're great people who have truly a great state of mind when it comes to something so dangerous, but something that when you've done responsibly can be a lot of fun and a lot of it's one of the foundational components we talk about in in self-defense or defense training. So give them a look. If you're considering any training, that'd be a great place to start. Mountain Fire LLC. You can find them on Facebook. Now, we are doing interviews. So the purpose of doing interviews, I again had studied and started my doctorate. Wasn't a big fan of reading a bunch of people's paperwork and trying to make the words my own. I've always been a fan of using a strong network and the people around me to make decisions and find information and, and usually hit experts where they are, as opposed to reading a book, hoping I understand it, how the author wanted it written down and try and use that information to my, the best of my ability. Instead, I want to interview people based on their life experiences, based on things they have learned and based on things that they can speak about firsthand. There's first interview is a great one. It's one that I kind of envisioned the other day as I had an experience in my personal life. And as I've been doing this podcast, this person is the person I wanted to bring on very early, if not right away. I'm not going to introduce him yet. I just wanted to preload that. And here we go. I am here with my first guest here on Dragons and Demons. So my first guest, I feel like I wanted to go with something that was close to home for me, something that was recent and an experience that we'll get into here in a minute, but something that I felt was very timely as I reached out to this individual as soon as it happened to me. And I was like, you know what? This is a good, a good go. So joining me today is a a former assistant coach of mine back when I was head coach. Um, We'll talk about how we met here in a minute. Um, he has more wins in his career than I do football games, period. 
Um, he's got more coaching experience than I do years of life. So welcome to the show, Coach Bob Plant. Thanks for having me. Thanks for Appreciate coming. Appreciate it. So first of all, give us a little bit about your background. So um, 63 years old, coached high school football, about 40 years, but that wasn't my primary source of income. I was a uh, insurance agent, uh, had ownership in an insurance agency, recently sold uh, that business and retired. Uh, but, uh, you know, grew up in Maryland with the school at University of Richmond. Um, you know, mom and dad were home for me. Very typical 1960s type of kid. Um, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed coaching and mentoring. So, <clears throat> you know, I remember when I was in college that my uh, grandfather had said to me, you know, what are you going to major in? I said, well, I want to be a, I want to coach football. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> he says a major. <laughs> yeah. You don't major in that. You need to get a business degree. So I decided that I was going to do that and then coach on the side, which is what I ended up doing. So and I did it for 40 years. So. Cool. So I don't know if what your recollection of how we met was, but I had a, uh, kind of a run in with one of, so at the time when I was at my lowest in my coaching career and I was searching everywhere for help and I couldn't find people, I didn't have the resources, I didn't have the network to, to try and find people. I met someone who was kind of through another friend and it, it was a guy that is a really close friend of yours and I'm not going to drop his name because I'm, I'm not going to. Got it. I don't know if he's ever going to listen or not, but <laughs> somebody that was like, oh, I'm good friends with Bob Plant. Why don't you guys get together? So he sold the meeting to me as if you were going to come over and be offensive coordinator. And at first I looked at him. I was like, you're crazy. I'm never giving up the ball. I'm calling the ball. Mm -hmm. My arrogant young self was like, that'll never happen. <laughs> but I'll see if I can go convince coach to come plant, come coach under me. And he can just do something simpler than that. So we met and you were kind of like under the impression that you were I was bringing you in to take over for me, right. and be the head coach and take the job. <laughs> and we were both like totally like, on different planes. Exactly. So exactly. since that day, we, we kind of developed a pretty good relationship. Yep. Um, we did seven on sevens and things like that together. Mm -hmm. um, you came out and did speeches for lacrosse team when I coached that. Um, you came out and spoke to teams and spoke to me when I needed it. We met like pretty much every off season. Yeah. I was like, yeah. again, kind of running myself ragged and dry because I didn't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. Um. So I always appreciated that. Is is that kind of how you remember that? Yeah, I re <laughs> I remember uh, being told that uh, you know he's a young coach and he just needs you know somebody in there to help mentor him and you know and and you could start to be the head coach and then pass it back to him and I'm like okay well I'll talk to him yeah. young guy because I had you know, that's so important because I had guys mentor me as a right. young coach and you know you, you, that's what we do you know mm -hmm. we want to help the next guy. And so, yeah, and I, I was like, I think the, what was the meeting like five minutes long when I said, okay, it was, it was five or <laughs> was, 10 minutes, but it, in the first 30 seconds, I think we kind of figured out. We both <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not on the I same page down with my interview questions. Like I <laughs> you're sitting there looking at me like, what are you doing? I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was odd day, but uh, it all worked out. Right. But you ended up getting a head coaching job there a couple of weeks after. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, like I said, we kind of worked together on some things. We never played each other. We did scrimmage once. Right. And I showed up with my 14 man roster. <laughs> right. You had your 4A roster. Right. 
So we had two of our players. One was injured. One went to a quinceanera, and we didn't see him that that day. <laughs> so we had 14 players. We had our 11 on the field. And at one point, one of our subs was hurt. The other was our quarterback, who we designated one way. Right. And the third and final kid was our kicker. Right. So right. I'm looking at the sideline. I look across <laughs> the field. We make eye contact. And I'm like, Coach, we're done. He's like, no, you are done. Get on the ball. So, again, it was uh, a scrimmage we needed, but it was uh, right. understanding that that you saw kind of what we were going through. So Right. But the amazing part is just a couple of years later, you have a hundred and someone, 100, 101 kids out there. So it's not where you start. It's where you finish, right? <laughs> right. So let's get into the fun part. So when you would come in, and, and I think I've heard this story like three or four times. So you would come in and tell this magnificent story about a bike. And that's kind of what we're calling this episode is get back on that bike. Um, so you told it a couple times. And, and again, I kind of had a, a personal experience with my family here that made me like, man, we got to bring him in for the first, the first shot at that story. So mm. well, go ahead, take it away. So <clears throat> the, the reason why I tell this story is I wanted the kids to understand um, how I coach, which sometimes may appear harsh and maybe seem a high pressure. It may seem that I create adversity because I do. And I get after them and I push them and I challenge them. And so I tell the story because I coached the way I was fathered. I coached the way I was mentored. So um, this particular story is, uh, you know, uh, teaching my, my eldest son how to ride a bike. And I taught him in the same way that my father taught me. And what's interesting about that is, you know, it was important to my grandfather when he was teaching my father how to ride a bike that, you know, you start teaching life lessons as soon as you can because you just don't know if you're going to be there the next right, day. Right. So unfortunately, uh, my father lost his dad in World War II at the age of nine years old. So that was always important to me. And, you know, when my dad told me the story, um, how he learned how to ride a bike, I remember thinking, that's what I'm going to do. So, and again, the way I learned it was a, was a little <laughs> worse than the way Bo learned it, my son. But essentially, it was, a, I, I can remember, uh, it was after work. I was driving down the, the driveway and we had a long driveway and, and I was, uh, got my, you know, driving right down the driveway and I see my eldest son. And at the time he was maybe five, uh, blonde hair, curly blonde hair, blue eyes, sweetest kid you ever saw. And, uh, he had his bike, you know, with the, uh, training wheels on it and had a wrench in his hand, you know, and he was smiling and all excited. Cause you know, this was the day he's going to learn how to ride a bike two-wheeler so for me seeing that it wasn't the same excitement because i knew what was about to happen <laughs> so <clears throat> got bow we took the training wheels off we walked in the front of my house had a small sloping hill it was really long uh long soft flat uh, grass and uh, soft bushes at the end of it and so the idea is to get bow on a bike and kind of gently push him down the hill and let him do what he needs to do to try to stay on the bike. So uh, got him to the top of the hill, and he grabs the handlebars. He's got his helmet on. He says, turns back to me, says, Daddy, don't let go. Now, actually makes me choke up a little bit because as a dad, right? because I, mean, I knew I was going to let go. Yeah. So um, I gently pushed him down the hill, and, of course, maybe got a couple feet, came over the handlebars, landed on his chin, you know, grass stains on his shirt and bruises and tears start, and, you know, and 
daddy, you let go of the bike. And I didn't say a word and I gathered him up and I kind of walked him back to the top of the hill. And this time he didn't turn back around. He grabbed on as tight as he could because he knew I was going to gently push him down the hill. And again, tumbled off the bike, didn't make it that far. Well, this went on a number of times till finally um, he makes it all the way down to the end of the hill. And he jumps off his bike and he throws his hands in the air and, and, he, and he runs into the house crying. So now you're, you know, this is the time. Now he's a young kid. So, I mean, how much is he going to learn from this experience? And to a lot of people, how harsh does that sound that you would do that to your own child? But it was important. And the life lesson here is when I told Bo, we're sit, sitting in his bedroom and he said, Daddy, why'd you let go of the bike? And I said, son, because there's going to be a time when dad's not here. When the fight comes, when adversity comes, and you need to be able to fight for yourself because nobody's coming to save you. Right. You need to save yourself. And at, at five years old, I don't know what he got out of that, right? But I know what I got out of it uh, in later years. So we kind of go 20 years later. And this time, Bo is an officer in the United States Marine Corps, and he's embedded with the SDF and the Kurds. Uh, he's got a four-man Navy SEAL security team. He's in what, quote, an advisory role, uh, and they're in a forward operating base uh, up in Syria. Um, he uh, gets surrounded by the enemy. I don't, I don't think I'm allowed to tell you who the enemy was, but uh, surrounded by the enemy. He was getting mortared all night. He was trapped. They couldn't get him out. Um, he was laying under a truck getting mortared for two days. They just get hammered and he could see that his men were weary that, you know, the next attack, maybe they're not going to make it. Um, and for some reason laying under that truck, <laughs> I get choked up thinking about it. <clears throat> laying under that truck. He remembers the day he learned to ride the bike in the words of his dad. Damn. You know, the words essentially of my father. So he then rallies his troops. He repositions them. He calls in some artillery from a, a base about 30 clicks away and he hits them square, the enemy square, and they back off and gives them an opportunity to retreat and get back across the Iraqi border and then get home. And I guess that Osprey took them back. Um, and, and no one died and uh, there were some wounded, um, but they all survived. And, um, you know, so. As I would tell that story, it was important that people knew, you know, why you would gently push your kid down the hill, right? And it's because, you know, your father, your coach, your teacher, your mentor, the fight's coming, right? Adversity's coming. And you need to have experience in how to get through it. And you need to understand that sometimes nobody's coming to save you and you got to save yourself. And these, and you don't want these kids to just get through it, you know, just barely make it or fail. You want them to thrive in adversity. You want them to thrive in the fight. You want them to succeed. You want them to win. That's because you love them. And so if you look at the father pushing his kid down the hill, you think, does he love his kid? And I can't imagine that he could love his kid anymore. I know. And, and that experience kind of... Couple weekends ago, it was nice and warm out for once in January. <clears throat> I take Logan to the top of the hill, takes his stuff off his training wheels. I I'm line him up on the hill, and I was like, "Oh, there's that story coming." For <laughs> so I got the wife on the porch. I got him in front of me, and he's like, "Let's go!" 
And I like run down the first time I'm holding on to his seat. I run down with him and then we turn around and come back up and he's like, why didn't you let go? It's like, oh, I got you. Let's do this. <laughs> so I Good go back him. and he just falls and falls yeah. and falls and falls. Yeah. Same deal. And then he yeah. starts getting up crying and she's yelling, it's okay. I'm like, stop. Yeah. This is not a, a nurturing mom time. I, got mm-hmm. this. I was like, mm-hmm. you can love him in a minute. I need right. to get him down this hill on his own one or once or right. twice. Right. So he's doing his thing. He's crying. He's getting it. And eventually I, I gave him a push and gave him a push and gave him a push and mm. still stood there. He would catch his pedal at the bottom. He'd turn around, come back up. So it was like, yep. And as uh, she's yelling at him to do better and he's crying, I'm yelling at them like, I'm not always going to be here, bud. You right. better start figuring this out on your own. This exactly. is your first life lesson. He's looking at me with all these tears in his eyes. Like, <laughs> right. Someday, it's hard to do. Yeah. Someday yeah. this might actually have a big yeah. impact on you. Yeah. But it's, you know, what? It, it's a hard thing to do. Right. You know, it just is to stand there. And especially for a mom. And, you know, my, my wife and I used to always, I'd say, let me be the dad. You be the mom. And, but it's it's hard. It's hard for us to put our kids through that, right? Our sons through that, let alone what's what's going to be to a mom. But she, my wife was really good. I would something like that would happen, like the bike, learn how to ride a bike, and and I would say now, go love friend. him up. Yeah. <laughs> and then we kind of see that in wrestling when he gets his yes. butt kicked on the meat. I'm like, I'm going to handle this one. I go down. I see it's not a serious injury, but he's upset that he lost. I'm like, right. I got this one. Yeah, and yeah. Seems like he's really hurt, and I'm like, well, why don't you go down for this one? Yeah. That's, that's why it's great to have a mom and a dad. Right. Everybody fills a role. So you said at one point, I coached the way I was fathered. Mm-hmm. And that stands out for me big time because I think I father the way I coach. Uh, I feel like it goes both ways. I feel like I was fathered by coaches. I was coached by fathers. Right. Like it, All these things come in full circle. And, and if you don't love the kids in front of you at least a little bit, I mean, it's not even worth doing. No. So I, I, I'm in education as a career. I, I see parenting. I see great examples. I see terrible examples. I kind of am learning from both. And I look at my boys like, you are so lucky because you're getting all these lessons at full speed. Mm-hmm. So yep. that, that really stuck out to me. You got it. You're on it. So <clears throat> kind of some follow-up questions, and we'll get to more of an interview type of, of role here. Um, so what kind of successes have you seen in student-athletes? So like it was maybe some kids that started from nothing or some kids, a couple examples of kids that really gutted it out and really shined through when, when things times mm-hmm. got hard. Mm-hmm. I remember we had, uh, this goes back, <clears throat> gosh, this would have been early nineties. I was at Churchill high school and we had this kid, his first name was Rufus. I think last name was Jackson. Was, I know his first name's Rufus. And uh, uh, <laughs> so Rufus actually lived in Southeast uh, DC. He is, father and mother divorced so he was living with his dad over the summer and then he would come back to the potomac area with his mom uh, once school started but during the summer he literally took a bus from southeast dc all the way to potomac um and to be at practice by 7 30 so unbeknownst to me i didn't know he's going there, but he was late he was late for practice all the time Can't let- so i said hey rufus you late again right uh, you don't run yeah so he was late and so after practice, I'm running them. And Coach Shepard, who really is one of the – he's a Hall of Fame coach. He taught me so much about football and how to coach and how to be a man. I uh, just think, you know, he's just somebody that I hold on a, hold on a, uh, a high pedestal. He said, what are you running Rufus for? I said, he's been late. He goes, Rufus. He goes, go inside. You're done. He says, that kid – it takes him three hours to get here every morning. You run him again, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> now, here's the best part. 
Rufus goes to college out on the West Coast someplace, graduates, starts a computer hardware company. I think by the time he was 35, 40, he had sold it for millions and millions of dollars and retired. Think about that. Now, that's a kid, though. Why is that? Because that's a kid right? who would go to football two-a-days. This is back in two-a-days. You actually had three-a-days, essentially. But he was up at 3 o'clock in the morning to take a bus three hours to go suffer at practice all day and then take a three-hour bus ride back. That guy's got everything he needs to be successful. Yeah. And he's smart and, and, and good with people. So, you know, he had that work ethic. That's awesome. Yeah, good stories like that are hard to come by sometimes. Right. And one story like that can make someone's whole career for 10 years of right. coaching. Right. You have one story like that, it makes it all worthwhile. Right, so. right. Uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit. So this podcast is about motivation, kind of what, what motivates me, what motivated me to get out of the rut I was stuck in, um, kind of studying what motivation looks like. So what motivates you as a coach? So it's, you know, it's that phone call you get, you know, after five or six years later or 10 years later, it's the, it's the, Hey coach across the parking lot. You know, when you're at Target, you see one of your guys you coached again. It's, you know, uh, it's the, I was at 7-Eleven a couple of weeks ago and former player was there and he made me wait while he went home and got his son. He wanted to show me how he taught him to throw the football. <laughs> and I waited, you know, so, uh, but it's really, ultimately, it's it's about the kids. It's about building men. I had a kid uh, that I coached. This would have been 2007. I, I wasn't a teacher. Um, but that we had a ceremony. Um, so initially when these kids would come to Seneca Valley High School, they were, you know, they were high risk kids, meaning disciplinary issues or academic issues. They were on kind of a watch list. And so this kid was on that list. Um, his name was Dominique Chase. And then uh, as his senior year, he had gone from really bad grades to getting almost straight A's. And so they they had this event and it wasn't sort of some big banquet or anything. We were in the cafeteria. There was maybe 30 or 40 people there. And he stood up and said, they said, you know, Dominic, how did you, each kid that had made it and got good grades and changed and all that. And, and for the better, they asked each kid, who, who, why did that happen? Why did you decide that you wanted to go in a different direction? And he simply said, cause I want to be like coach plant. Mm. And so and then he, because I want to coach, you know, I want to run a business. I want to do, you know, and uh, I mean, that's why you do it, right? And um, unfortunately, Dominique was killed in an auto accident uh, two years after he graduated. I spoke at his funeral and, you know, the story goes, um, I was working for this agency and coaching football and my boss came to me and he says, you know, if you cut this football stuff out, you're going to really be rich. You're going to make more money. You know what you do with because I would knock off essentially at three o'clock starting in August. Uh, that was my day. And then I stood up at a funeral and I said, you know, I told that story and I, and I told my boss that day, I said, I can't be any more richer than I am now having known these kids and being part of their lives. That is, gives you purpose, yeah. you know, and that gives you life and you know, all the money in the world uh, isn't going to get you there that that can do for you. So, right. So the, the, the kind of the conversation that got this whole podcast idea started was chasing that, chasing that dragon, trying to slay that dragon and being a, a man, you need a purpose. Right. And every man needs their dragon that they can go and slay. And every right. person needs that thing that you're gets on them out of bed every right. morning. Right. So, I mean, you, you had yours in coaching. I kind of lost mine when I couldn't coach anymore, mm -hmm. but it wasn't really 
I don't know that I was my biggest dragon. So I'm still like, this is kind of my avenue and I'm mm-hmm. trying to find guidance and all that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, keeping the demons at bay, keeping those things that could hold you back and, and finding ways to, to fight them off and keep them at bay and, and right. just continue making right. yourself better. Right. Um, so what sort of growth, do you have any specific strategies that you've used for student athletes or yourself that needed a push to go from lazier side to motivated side? Have you seen any growth examples or any strategies you use that? Well, you know, I think the most important thing is to model for the kids, what you want from them. You know, for example, um, I was always prepared for practice. I always had a practice plan. I already knew exactly what we were going to do every day. Everything was planned out. I put the work in before practice. You know, I did the work. I did the game planning. I watched the tape. We, I prepared as best I can to prepare them. And that's what you want for them. You want them prepared. You want them practicing hard, focusing, putting the work in to give them the opportunity to win. So I always tried to model that. That even included, um, you know, staying physically fit. You know, I, you want to, you want to, ha- you know, in sales, for example, that what I was in, you want to deal with somebody that has a nice appearance. And obviously, if they're in, in relatively good shape, you know, they're disciplined, you know, they have a work ethic. And so you want to, you want to uh, display those traits uh, when you're doing business. And the same thing, I think, when it comes to coaching. Now, I'm not saying it makes you a great coach if you're, you know, run miles, every, tough miles every day. But I think it's important to model for them what you want from them. Um, so. I think that's probably the most important thing, but oftentimes what we see at our level, right, is is it's just immaturity. Right. Kids don't understand what hard work is. They have this instant gratification mode where they only right. see six inches in front of them. Exactly, face. and they don't know the joy of delayed gratification, and and that's what you're going to get in football. You're gonna, you know, or wrestling or whatever. You're gonna put the work in, and if you do it then maybe you got a chance to win. And, and that right. maybe is such a huge return. That one right. opportunity you get when you're one game out of the state title is, is such a, right. a gift. That, yep. Yep. that one hurt. Yep. Um, so speaking of being in good shape, hmm. uh, I remember one practice where the kids are out there yelling and it's summertime, the weather's good, and they're taking their shirts off and chanting because we are getting after it, a good workout. I look over and I see Coach Plant ripping his shirt off and waving around his head because he's look how jacked I am. So <laughs> I'm a knucklehead. <laughs> so what's your secret at, at your age? How do you how do you keep that together? So early on, it was important to me to to exercise. For me, it, it's uh, I'm a creature of habit, so it it, it 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 calms me to get up every day and do that do the hard things first. And so for me, get up, get out of bed, make the bed, get down and get in the weight room, you know, get, go work out, do the hard things first. Um, and no matter what happens the rest of that day, I've got something accomplished. So that's number one. Uh, but number two, like I said, from a business standpoint, you know, you want people to, you know, if you're meeting somebody you're going to do business with for the first time or anybody, you want, you want them to, on first appearance, you want them to think, oh, this guy obviously takes care of himself, he's you know, haircut, shave, whatever, but he keeps himself in good condition. Um, the secret <laughs> right now, it's just, I'm a creature of habit, but the, the secret for me is I married a woman that I met in the gym. <laughs> so that helps. And so she cooks meals for us that are, that really are, you know, very good for the diet, very good for, you know, high protein, low fat. Um, and then we work out together. So that's important too. And, um, so, it's all of those things. So it's, it's, it's also, like I said, do the hard things first, get up early, right. do the hard things first. And no matter what happens the rest of the day, you've won. 
And again, that's kind of what sent me in the right direction was building the routine of getting up early, getting my workout in, getting my nutrition right. right. And I find that as one of the fundamental things in, in trying to slay that dragon and, and head right. down these journeys is if your diet is dialed in to where there's no, no, right. nothing holding you back there and your physical, your physical fitness is to a level where you're not going to be sick all the time. Right. You're not going to be aching all the time. You're mm-hmm. not going to be holding yourself back that way. Mm-hmm. And then you get good relationships and, and you build a good network and, and man, things are rolling from there. Right. So again, as you've changed multiple different roles throughout your coaching career, I'm sure you've heard some doozies. Uh, <laughs> so, but what is your, you can either summarize or kind of describe your favorite pregame speech, one you've given or heard. <clears throat> I gave one uh, before we played uh, Northwest one year and Northwest was undefeated and we were undefeated. Uh, we end up winning that game, but then we lost to Frederick oh, in the playoffs. Wasn't me. Nah. <laughs> so, um, but in 1997, we won a state championship and we had some captains on that team in, uh, that wouldn't let you on the bus if they didn't think you were ready, if you weren't really ready to go and win. We never would have boarded a bus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we talk about, you know, not getting on the bus. And, you know, we, we, I talked about there's three types of guys on, on a football team and only one's a winner. You know, there's a guy that when the, the line is drawn in the sand, he ste- steps back, he stands up and looks across the line and does nothing. We don't want that guy getting on the bus. So the guy that walks up to the line and stands there like he's going to do something, but he doesn't cross the line. We don't want that guy on the bus. The guy we want on the bus is the guy when the line, line's drawn in the sand, steps across that line, starts swinging. That's who you win state championships. That's who you win with. That's who you want in your foxhole with you when the fight happens. So I, I gave a speech like that, and that particular team uh, went undefeated, and we had subsequently two teams after that that went undefeated because of that type of uh, attitude that we – so you're not allowed on the bus if you ain't ready. And that sort of – selfless leadership from the players has always been the difference and and some of the more successful teams we've ever had we've always had talent these last two years that i was the head coach we always had talent but we also had leaders in that yeah i mean that the adam mosals and the tyler hovies and that class yeah i mean those kids were so selfless and they just wanted Mm -hmm. to work they love the grind they love the hustle they love to just outdo each other and and man that was a special group and then the year following we we didn't have as many of those type of characters But we had Trayvon and right. we had still we still yeah. had guys that were yeah. like, Yeah, I'm gonna dominate this this yep. team and we're gonna be better than the team across from right. us. So right. man, that's something that for eight years prior to that, we just never found as as a team. I never had kids like that. We we had some kids that wanted it, but they just didn't know how to kind of spread that desire out to the rest of their teammates. So right. as a coach, I don't know. I spent more times reading leadership books and motivational books than I did the X's and O's. And mm-hmm. that was always an afterthought. Cause I was like, man, it's high school football. The X's and O's are extremely important. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But if I can get these kids to run through walls, then we can run the same four. Right. And we'd be right. And ultimately the goal is to build good men. Right. And so even if you, you know, nobody wants to go Oh, and 10 or one and nine, but if you do it and you're doing things right in the end, those kids, are going to remember you and they're going to be better for it. So, well, that's all my questions. Anything else you want to chat about? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's going to win the Niners or the chiefs? Oh man. I don't know. I, I think the, the chiefs have been there, done that plenty of times where I, I think that is more of a 
harder thing to overcome. Mm-hmm. Now the Niners have had some success and they've had some, they've, the, their franchise has been there before, but I think there's a lot of youth and, and immaturity as far as the Super Bowl is concerned. Right. And I, I kind of give the nod to the Chiefs, I think. Right. What's interesting, I mentioned the 97 Seneca Valley team. The quarterback on that team is the quarterback coach for the 49ers. Who's that? <laughs> Brian Fleury. Okay. He's a Frederick kid. And then moved, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I yeah, saw yeah. that somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So who you awesome. got? Gosh. I, I get, I'm going to pull for the Niners because of Brian. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got to do that. But the Chiefs are tough. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, I've Patrick always been Mahomes. an Andy Reid fan. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. A, Personality wise, I wouldn't say I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan, but yeah, yeah. it's kind of like the Tom Brady factor where, like, I just kind of hate him because he's great. And, he's a winner. And I, I, I would like to see the Patriots get knocked off their pedestal by the Chiefs running it up a couple times. <laughs> too, so. yeah. All right. Well, awesome. That, that's all I got for today. Thanks great. for joining me. Thank you for having me. We'll have to have you on again with some, for some more stories here in the future. Appreciate it. So thanks again. Thanks, and, uh, Do you want to blast anything on social media where you're at? <laughs> yeah into the twitter game <laughs> yeah well hopefully uh i get the house built in florida and everybody can come down and go fishing with me that's there the deal <laughs> all right well thanks again and uh we'll talk to you soon great thanks coach man it is great to talk to coach plant i really enjoy the times we've we've had as on the same coaching staff and again as i said in the podcast in the interview earlier in my days where i needed a mentor and supports he was always there for someone I could count on to to give it to me straight and someone who would give me honest and, and appropriate feedback for the situation. <clears throat> someone who's got a wealth of experience, both as a father and as a coach. He gets me fired up. He's given some of the most amazing pregame speeches in our program. I credit him for a big chunk of our success and turning some of the things around that we needed to in our in our football program. A lot of the lessons he's talking about and the bike story specifically, I've heard seven several times. I, I think the bike story I heard seven times or more. I brought him in for different guest speaking opportunities and within the program and other programs I've been involved in, and he never disappoints. I've heard that story a few different ways, but this one was probably the best. You'll never meet a more open and honest person when it comes to stories like this, and man, the the... The feeling you get when you hear something like this, is it's special. It makes me want to be a better dad. It makes me want to be a stronger person and, and makes me want to provide everything I can for my children so that they can continue down the line. Again, this story kind of popped up because I was teaching my son to ride a bike and I sent him down the hill. He came up crying. I took a little video and sent it to Coach Plant and said, well, I'm not always going to, you can hear me in the background of the video. Well, Logan, I'm not going to be here for you all the time. I'm not going to be there with you every decision you make. So you're going to have to teach yourself to get up on that bike and go down. We're going down two more times before we go in the house, figure it out. And these are just lessons that, I mean, I learned the hard way. Coach learned the hard way. He taught his son the hard way. Now the hard way, yes, it's harder. Yes, it can be more difficult. Yes, it can be frustrating. And a lot of people can quit from these things, but those who persevere, they learn the most. And if you can learn something as simple as riding a bike when it's hard and falling off is easier and quitting is the easiest way, if you can learn to ride that bike, there's nothing more rewarding. So when Logan finally gets it together and he's consistently riding that bike, I will proudly sit there and look at him in the face and be like, you taught yourself this. I can't wait. We're, we're not there yet, but I'm excited. <clears throat> Thanks again, Coach Plant. Hopefully you listened, 
And again, I appreciate everything. I'm sure our paths will cross again, and I'll probably be calling you once a month or so for either a pep talk or just more information, me just picking your brain on different things and appreciate all the support over the years. Good luck in wherever you end up next. I know you talked about moving on to different places and uh, can't wait to see how things turn out for you. To all our listen, my listeners, I appreciate you stopping in, listen up, keep following along. Uh, next week's episode is probably going to be more on the research side. I have a list of interviews to go. I've got a lot of fun and exciting things coming up that I'm working on. What else? Don't forget to give Mountain Fire LLC a follow on Facebook and check out what they've what classes they've put together. Check out the other podcasts my wife and I do, Kevlar, the real Kevlar. Lastly, at Coach P underscore knows for everything that is that I'm producing on social media. And anything else you might be interested. I've been a little slow with that. But I'm hoping to ramp it up here soon. Now let me throw a little quote of the day. So to, so to speak. They have no idea what who you are becoming. Keep going. They have no idea who you are becoming. Keep going. They being the haters, the watchers, the followers, the doubters, they have no idea who you are becoming. Keep going. As always, chase that dragon, destroy that demon. We'll see you next week. I'm out.